Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of NetLife with Dawn Staley, presented by Just Women's Sports. It's not just the first episode of the podcast, but guess what? It's my first ever podcast. And you know what? I'm feeling kind of excited. I'm a little nervous. But guess what? Life is about taking chances, being uncomfortable, especially when the outcome can positively impact a mass of people for the greater good of humankind. Um, But what I want to talk to you about on NetLife is I'm going to share some stories of mine and my guests, and I hope that you are inspired. Um, And it's not just going to be about basketball or, or even sports. It's going to be thought leaders. It's going to be disruptors. It's going to be about politics. It's going to be about leadership. It's going to be about pop culture. And obviously, basketball and sports are a big part of the conversation and the podcast because, hey, let's face it, they're a big part of my life. But even when talking with coaches and athletes and leaders and politicians There's so much more to them and to me um, than sports. So we want to talk about sports. We talk about all the things that go on outside of sports, but we also want to have some fun with it. There are going to be moments in which we're going to be talking real serious uh, issues and topics, uh, but there are also going to be some, I got to have some fun. Anything that I do, I must have some fun. So we're going to ask them questions that will make them a little bit uncomfortable and you're going to see a a softer side of them. Um, But what we want to accomplish is all sides of them, things that you wouldn't even imagine uh, they have gone through, but it resonates with a lot of different listeners. Some of the guests who's going to appear on the show is uh, Lisa Leslie, you know, that's my partner in crime. We grew up in this sport together, but we've we've dealt with things throughout our careers that um, will will help. I mean, Lisa's going to help me deal with some stuff that she's dealt with that that's very similar um, to what I've dealt with. Um, you're going to get to know her on a, a personal level. Um, she's married now. I knew her when she wasn't married. Um, So she's going to talk about a little marriage life and all the things that go into life after basketball. Um, Someone I I, I want you guys to to listen to very closely is uh, Butch Bowers. He is the man that made uh, the historical contract with the University of South Carolina happen. And to, to, to segue into another conversation I had with Alice, English, who you know him as a Hall of Famer. Um, I know him as a Hall of Famer, but he's also a board member. Um, he's on the board of trustees with the University of South Carolina. So you'll hear what it is to the inner workings of a board and how it works and how they move things, um, all things, the university. So looking forward to that. And then Reggie Love, you know, his voice, you guys are going to fall in love with his voice, but don't, you know, don't trip. The, the things that he's going to going to say 
are, are truly powerful. And I'm hoping he moves you all as much as he moved me. So a little insight on who's going to be on the show. And what, what really, really matters to me is that you get a chance to hear from some, some great people who will, you know, help you along your journey or, or also just sit back and, and enjoy um, a few minutes of getting to know um, all things me and all things my guest. On that note, I have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'll be joined by my guest. Welcome back and welcome to my guest. She's a four-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time world champion, a three-time WNBA MVP, and won two WNBA championships. Plus, in college, she set Pac-10 records in scoring, rebounding, and block shots, in addition to winning the National Freshman of the Year title, and then the National Player of the Year while at USC. I could go on and on. Yeah, please stop. That's enough. <laughs> I could, though, because there, there's so much more to you uh, than what I just mentioned. But I'm excited to welcome my friend and former Team USA teammate and former roommate, <laughs> Hall of Fame, Lisa Leslie, to the podcast. L, thanks for joining that life. We got a, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit of hoops right now. Um, okay. An easy topic. Um, Wait, before you, know, you go any further, just know I love you so much. Thank you for that great introduction. And um, yeah, let's get into it. I love you too, Errol. See, she's, she's my friend who doesn't mind sharing her emotions. That's why I wanted to have her on the show. <laughs> um, I, I'm still going to hold up my, my, my East Coast yes. hard, you know. You know, we're, we're, we're hard on the East Coast. Us. It is. We're, we're, we're such the, the opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but tell us, Lisa, tell us a little bit about your, just your playing days and your reluctance to, to play basketball when you were like six feet in like middle school. I haven't even gotten to six feet yet, no. but you were that in middle school. <laughs> um, I think when I think back about middle school, I just try to think about what kind of kid was I, right? I was a kid who was very timid. Um, I have some really tough cousins that you remind me of, just tough girls that was playing football, baseball, roughing up with the boys. It didn't matter. But what I loved about my cousins were that they um, they were fearless. I was fearful. I was on the side. <laughs> and every time they stopped and I'd be like, you okay? You need some water? Like I was really so timid. But um, my admiration for my girl cousins and the toughness that they had was something that I aspired to be. So here I am, six foot, sixth grade, don't play no ball. And everybody keeps asking me, do I play basketball? And I'm like, no. So I asked my mom, I'm like, mom, why do people keep asking me if I play basketball? And she said, well, people associate when you're tall that you play sports. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to play. So she's like, you don't have to play. Cut to, I go to middle school, there's this girl. All it takes is one person to really inspire you. So Sharon Hargrove, hey, Shay, shout out to Shay. I always tell a story about Shay. Shay, everybody knew Shay's name. They'd be like, there goes Shay, there goes Shay. And I'm like, who is Shay? And they were like, Shay is on the basketball team. But Shay was like, dope. 
So she could shoot, she could score, she could cross over back in the day. She had like hanging jumpers. She was just like so amazing. And so in my mind, I'm like, I want to be, actually, I just really wanted to be popular. So wanting to be popular is what drove me to basketball. I said, I'm going to go try out. I told the coach, if I fall down on this concrete one time, I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank God I didn't fall down. I couldn't make a layup. I didn't know which the rules were. I didn't know which way to run. But our team went 7-0. and We won the little middle school championship. And they gave me a little trophy with a boy on it. And I was hooked. That's the backstory to me getting into basketball. <laughs> so you, you wanted the popularity of playing the sport. And then you go on to score 101 points, <laughs> right? Like you, you go from not really wanting to play the sport yeah. to being a gunner. Like, <laughs> what's well, that? how I got to that was, <laughs> so here's the sort of the middle, the middle story is that my cousin, Craig, who's my, like my only boy cousin took me to the gym every day for a year. And I went in there like, Oh, I played basketball. Like last year I was seven and oh, and he's like, let me see what you got. And of course I started shooting and he like, hold up, hold up, get on the wall, get in the squat. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, I just came to play with the ball. And he was like, no, this is what you got to decide like right now today. So he like turned into a straight drill sergeant. He like, if you're going to play, you're going to play the game the right way or you ain't playing at all. And I was like, okay. He was like, you want to play the right way? So I'm like, yeah, I want to play the right way. So I think it was just me understanding that I had to change my persona to be stronger, tougher, to play this sport. And my cousin really challenged me, like, you got to choose right now. Like, you're going to do that or you're not. You're going to be soft. Basically, he was saying, you're going to be soft or you're not. And I was like, and I'm not. You know, I want to be tough. And he just started to train me in a way that was just like, you give it your all or don't come in the gym. Like, we don't go halfway. You know, he was just like seriously laying down the law. And really, Don, I think that's how I got my work ethic was just, once I warm up for basketball, it's all or nothing. Like I don't, I've never played or practiced halfway or I'm like, oh yeah, I might tell her, like, you know me, I've never right, right. been that way because the sport was never introduced to me that way. It's like, when you play this sport and you get an opportunity to lace them up, you go hard or don't, don't come to the gym. And so, so Craig really instilled that in me early. And then it was just those habits you know, you know how it is. We put in so much time and hours playing pickup anywhere with anybody's, any men, any boys, any girls, any grandmas. I play pickup anywhere all day, just trying to hone my skills, but playing it hard. So, so you're a firm believer in dominant, like dominance takes time and dominance takes uh, time to develop. And it, it truly, it truly is a mindset. So you were, you were pretty amazing player, like a youth player. And then you go to college and you kill in college. And then you become a part of the, the, the USA basketball national team for years. Right. Mm -hmm. So when, when we were on that 96 team, that 96, that historical 96 team, what, what, what do you think about our team? Right. Mm -hmm. And and the, and comparing it to like 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 now, like we didn't really have television. We didn't really have um, all the, the luxuries of of what what some of these young players out here have. Like they had a carrot dangle in front of them with the WNBA and we just had 
the Olympics. Right. Yeah, so. Tenacity. Oh, so you. I think, so I think passion. Like all those things that are very cliche, but that's what we had. I mean, think about you and I in our relationship. Philly, you're tough. You know, you got that East Coast everything about you. You, you know, you don't make friends with everybody. You know, you like you're a hard worker. And me, California, LA, laid back. I came in being fashionable, whether it was expensive or not, probably not. But I mean, I come in with my tie-dye and my bell bottom pants. You know what I'm saying? I was just authentically me. But what we have always had in common is our work ethic. And our work ethic was like, it does not matter who's in front of us. We are going after it. We're going 100%. And from the day I met you, I was in 11th grade. And that was my mindset. You were, were you a, were you a, where were you? You're a freshman in college? Freshman, freshman, yep. A freshman in college, but we were the same, of the same cloth. You know what I mean? And I think for that, from day one, I'm like, I, I don't know you from nobody, but I'm like, that looked like the way you played and getting after it and you, you ready to fight. And I'm like, I'm fighting for her too. Like that, that part of the game for me has always been like, I love it and I'm passionate about it. And if we're on the same team in the same color, I'm fighting for you. Like, and I think that is that when I think about the 1996 team, they put together the team, right? We, we weren't always, it wasn't the best players in the country, the 12, but we had the best chemistry and the best understanding of sacrificing self for the, the team. And I've always been that way. I mean, can I have averaged more points in my whole career? Absolutely. But for me to sacrifice my shot for your shot, I would do that 10 out of 10 times because that's the kind of teammate I want to be. I, if I can make you happy and you have your success, I know those 10 pass, 10 shots I pass up, I knew that you will pass up 20 shots to get it back to me. And so that is probably the biggest difference that our passion was there in our heart and our fight that no matter which generation you look at, we are very, we're, we're right up there at the top. And we always will be because these young kids, they do have a lot. They have, they, they get to see a lot more visually, right? They're a lot more connected about what's going on around the country. Players that are overseas, you can see and look them up and see. We didn't have that. So in some ways, I don't know that their level of passion and work ethic is the same because they see it and it's like, they want the glitz and the glamor, you know, they want the, the, the deals already, but who's <laughs> in that gym at six in the morning, who's doing what we did, like flying to Colorado Springs five days before the actual tryouts, just to get acclimated to again, the altitude to get sick and then be ready for the tryout so we can run faster than everybody else. Like that, that's sacrifice. And we did that on pennies. We didn't have money. Like, you know, we do now we were trying to make it. So, uh, Oh, you got money. Yeah, I got money now. I'm not worried about what I'm eating now. <laughs> I don't have to split my burrito first half for the first half of the day and then the second half of the burrito for the second half. I can eat two today. <laughs> well, well, folks, that is why so many people fell in love with women's basketball is because they saw the culture, the connection that our 1996 Olympic team had now now I, I need i need you to tell us some stories about 
the national team, the training. Like, yeah. give us a little <laughs> behind the scenes of some of the things that were funny and, and not so funny. Because I, I, I think people really need to understand that it wasn't all just you saw us go out there and dominate uh, our mm -hmm. sport. Mm -hmm. There was buildup to that, and that buildup happened on bus rides in hotel rooms. Tell us a little bit of uh, <laughs> stories oh about God. your recollection of uh, our national team. Um, let's see. I, I feel like we had a team of characters, right? You have, um, you know, you have you have me. I'm, you know, my nickname is Hollywood. Thank you to shout out to Carla McGee, Big Red. Um, you know, you got Dawn, who's Little Bit, but Little Bit is also, you know, she's sweet and sour. She's feisty as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but loves to laugh, so we have to entertain. Uh, you got Big Red, and I, I love I love Carla McGee, who Carla was that person who just plugged holes. Whatever was needed for our team, she was going to do it, whether it was on the court, off the court. Wait, wait, got, wait, wait, wait. It, it had to happen after noon. Oh, yeah, because she's not a morning person. That's right. <laughs> Big Red, I tell you, don't... Mm -mm 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 -mm. Don't disturb her. It's too early. It's before uh, it's before noon. Um, but I, I love Carla because she she run through a wall for any of us and um, do all the extra intangibles. Um, let's see who's up next. Nikki no, McCray. No, tell, tell, yeah, well, no, tell tell us a little bit about the the, the game that we came up with oh. that got us through <laughs> the game. Make me laugh. laugh. <laughs> okay, so Make Me Laugh was introduced to our team because that is actually a game I grew up with my girl cousins and my sisters playing Make Me Laugh. And again, maybe it's an inner city game. We ain't had that much money, so kids learn to entertain themselves. So we would all go in the same room and try to sit silently and not show your teeth. <laughs> and try to make someone laugh. I think it later was like a game show or something. But so Make Me Laugh is something that I brought to the team. I was like, you guys, let's play Make Me Laugh. We were in Russia, Poland. We are in a whole lot of countries. Remember, guys, Lithuania. No, we don't have no cell phones. We're not, <laughs> we're not doing TikToks. We are just playing Make Me Laugh. That was one of our games. So we would always go. And of course, you know, I'm kind of like the queen of Make Me Laugh. So I always let everybody go first. But then it's my turn to try to make the team laugh. So what so, were your characters? What, what were some of the things you did, you did to make us laugh? Well, you know, it could vary from me being like, you know, I would mimic other players, you know, like Swoops. You know, Swoops are... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Tell, tell the story about Swoops when we're, we're practicing in Hawaii, right? Oh, yeah, we, we were, were in practicing Hawaii. in Hawaii, and we were, we were actually doing this layup <laughs> drill and it was one of those hard practice days in which, you know, none of none of us really felt like being there. We probably that's the felt... wrong team, Don. That's the team with Tina on it. That's oh, a different Lord. year. That's that's two thousand. Uh, I mean, well, that well, that's, a... no, tell the story though. It's part okay. of the national team. So the team, story so... is funny. So we're doing this thing that was called circle the wagons, and so you have to make layups, but you can't let the ball hit the floor. So of course you kind of want to pace the layup with the rebounder, right? And you don't want to just go sprint and make this layup and you see your rebounder is still at half court because the drill is going to have to start over and these numbers don't count. So you also have to make the layup. Now, of course, we are professionals, so you should make layups. But unfortunately on this day, Tina Thompson had missed two layups. So the drill keeps starting over and Swoops is there on the court 
And then the next thing you know, wait, she's wait, doing... wait. She was pretty good after the first layup. All right, all right. That's cool. Everybody, everybody, anybody can miss one layup. Right. But after the second <laughs> missed layup, go ahead. <laughs> well, Tina missed the layup because Tina was, you know, Tina goes hard. She comes from the same cloth as us. She go hard, but Tina would slap the backboard, and so her layup sometimes she was. <laughs> She'd go to make the layup, but when she slapped the backboard, the, the ball would kept falling short. <laughs> so Cheryl was like, Tina missed the second layup. So on the third layup, you know, Tina's still going hard. She goes in, <laughs> boom, she slapped the backboard and she missed the layup and Cheryl goes, damn it, Tina! Like, <laughs> and then damn it, Tina was just like, she was so frustrated. Because it was the third layout, which meant the drill started over again. So, of course, we always make fun about, you know, we say, damn it, Tina. How do you say it, Dawn? Damn, Tina! <laughs> so, we, 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 we had great laughs, and and that was probably one of the one of the make me laughs, because make me laugh continued from our 1995-96 oh. team oh, all boy. the way through the anytime we had a, a, a USA basketball team, we got together. Make me laugh uh, was a staple game that we played because we didn't travel like the national team travels now. We busted a lot. We uh, yeah. we we never chartered like private jet was out of it. We took mm -hmm. two and three and and four uh, flights. And coach might I add, coach was all right for me. Yeah, but you on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> you, Not on the other hand, you, you didn't have enough legs room. Room. And then we get off, Don. Remember, Tara Vanderveer, for as amazing coach as she was, she drove a hard whip. We would get, we would fly, practice, fly, and depending on what time we landed, we would go straight to practice again um, in that next country or city or state, depending on where we were going. And it could be anything from a three hour flight to a you know, six hour flight and then catch another flight and arrive the next day. Guess what? We are going to yeah. practice. So sometimes it was kind of hard on our bodies to recover. But, you know, one thing we didn't do complain. Not uh, not to where she could hear us. No, I'm that's what I mean. Not to get yeah, not to where she can hear us. Uh, Tara did this thing that I actually joke with my team uh, nowadays, like, you could you could start practice one day, like just say if practice was ten to one, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Here's Tara. Okay, um, we're gonna practice five to seven tomorrow, but because you got more than twenty four hours off, that's considered a day off, and <laughs> that we used to flip out when that when, they, when she used off. to say that is not a day off and. And we, we did actually, uh, we used to go back to our rooms and we, we used to complain a whole lot. Not so some of the young people that may listen to this, there's a time and place to complain. And that is in the confines of your own room with your, with your, with your teammates, not a whole team, just your roommate. Cause Lisa, yeah. you and they I don't used have to, roommates anymore. Shoot, yeah, they, they don't have even have roommates now. anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a good point, Don. It is important to pick and choose who you vent to. And sometimes it's just venting. Like, it doesn't mean, you know, you got to take this back somewhere. It's just like, dang, I can't believe she called practice again. Like, we need to get some rest. We need to do this and that. But we also enjoyed our time. Like, we kikied a lot. We watched <laughs> our little shows on our little 
you know, little video things that we had and our VCRs. And again, especially when we were in other countries, we didn't watch a lot of television at all. So we spent a lot of time playing cards, really enjoying each other. And we know each other so well. I think all of us, especially from that 1996 Olympic team, I think each Olympic team after that got a little bit more, whether it was you didn't have to have roommates, which we were roommates up in, we were roommates for a long time though. Even when we I were, think we didn't have to be roommates, we were still We roommates. were roommates for, and I, I do credit you, I, I do take credit for, for, for making you a better wife. wife. Right? I do for making you a better wife. Tell, okay. tell the story. Okay. Well, fine. Okay. So listen, Dawn was my roommate and I was real, very blessed. I'll be really honest to have her as a roommate because Dawn is beyond me. She's actually OCD before we, before that term was even official. So I didn't know what that was. I just knew that she was very particular about every drop of water anywhere in the bathroom. So I say, okay. At first I'm like, okay, Dawn, Oh, Lisa, you mind if I shower first? No, go ahead. So about the 30th time, I'm like, um, don't, I can shower first sometimes. <laughs> so she's like, okay, well, go ahead. I took a shower first. God knows. Why did I ask to take the shower first? Uh, uh, big girl, big girl, you need to come back in here. Big girl, there, there's a drop. There's a drop. There's, mm, 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 get that, get that. Oh, big girl, mm, is, this, is this your hair? Yeah, your hair. <laughs> uh, you get, big girl, you got to come in here and get the towel and then make sure the floor is, I said, you know what? I will never, <laughs> ever again shower before you. This guy, this cat made me clean up. And basically, we should have called the room. The, like, what's the kind of the room service or the, what's the, the housekeeping should have came back and just, just please redo the bathroom before she showers because it was like, but I am very neat. My husband, like you, very military. You know, her, his stuff is folded just like yours. So, Michael. We, Yes, Michael. Well, I got I got a couple of things. I know we we got we got I got a lot of topics, but one of the topics that people may want to hear from you is uh, a few years ago, Skylar Diggins talked about the struggles of playing while pregnant and not being able to tell anyone. For mm -hmm. example, you took a you took a season off after after you had Lauren, yeah, and then came back and was balling. But did, did you ever consider retiring um, after you had Lauren? Um, well, put it this way. It is a ton of pressure to figure out when in any woman's career, when is the right time to have a child based on your job. So again, um, it was after the season, clearly Lauren was conceived around August, December. No, I mean, <laughs> August or uh, September. And so... Um, with her being born in June, it was like, there's no way I'm really gonna make this happen. So the hardest part first is to tell the franchise that um, I'm actually not gonna be able to play next season. For us to go from first place to last place, pretty much, um, was difficult. Thank God for Candace Parker being <laughs> coming in that next <laughs> class, the Sparks finishing last and getting the number one pick. It was just like, everything ended up working out, but it was definitely a lot of pressure and also like about pay, like what happens? Uh, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I believe the Sparks paid me half my salary while pregnant. I think possibly I got nothing, but I think they did. That would have been the right thing to do, but it definitely is a lot of pressure to try to figure out when to have a child. Now, having the child, here you are with the baby, um, very difficult to 
figure out, and I think the WNBA has done a phenomenal job, but Lauren went everywhere with me. Um, I did have to pay for, you know, my nanny to come with me, which was tough, uh, but it's, it's necessary. My baby went everywhere with me, every trip. In fact, she came with us to China. You probably don't even remember. Um, even for the 2008 Olympics, um, you were assistant coach then by then, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So Lauren, yeah, she's there at 15 months. Um, so it's not easy to figure out when to tell anyone. I think even if I was an executive at a, any other job company that you have to tell them that you're pregnant. But the thing is, I can't perform while pregnant, right? Like I can still work my job until it's time for my due date if I was in a corporate job. But playing basketball, it's like, uh, yeah, you and that belly can't get out here. So um, <laughs> it was it was, it was was definitely challenging, especially to come to the games and watch them lose. And I'm sitting on the side like, <laughs> but again, it worked out a blessing to get Candace Parker as that number one pick. And I guess, the, you know, the rest is history. Um, I could see why Skylar would say, though, um, it is very challenging. And then people, again, start to think that you're on the down, you know, you're you're on your way out because of the child. And so I think it was Lauren was born in 2007. And I played 2008 and 2009. Um, I won some award. I think I won defensive player of the year or something um, when I came back, but I was definitely working hard, like overtime. But the, here's the thing, Dawn, about it. You will never be able to give it 100% again. I was definitely different. You know, I used to be first at the gym. Uh, I'm gonna go work out with my trainer privately, come back, practice with the team, you know, go eat, go to sleep, watch Judge Judy, go back to the gym and play with the fellas. Like, you know, I would do those that type right. of stuff. Once you have a child, it's like, I mean, my rush to get home or, or, you know, timing to get to practice. Like I'm at practice at the same time I arrive with everybody else. Um, I'm one of the first to leave. I can't stay and get shots. I mean, especially early, my, my milk was coming in, <laughs> you know, you in there and trying to pump. It was, yeah, it is a lot. It really is. But I'm thankful the league has changed so much and made, um, you know, adjustments to the CBA uh, so that these young women will have this opportunity, still get paid and uh, be able to have children. Yeah, speak, speaking of that, and I, I know the WNBA just celebrated 25 years of, of giving women an opportunity to, to realize their dream. Did you, back then, did you really think that the league would still be around and would last this long? I had hoped so. I had really hoped that, and I, first off, I thought that only way that a pro women's league would last in our country is if the NBA backed it and was involved. So check one. Um, I think the second thing was with the WNBA, um, we had some moments where we took a low. I think when the comments went away, when teams started to have to sort of become independent of the NBA teams, I was a little nervous. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if we're going to make it or not. But it really then felt like um, with um, new television deals, that was yep. probably, you know, at some, some point in those years where we start to get new television deals, that was a great support. And to be really honest, social media really helped elevate, I think, our league to a point where people could communicate their true interest and support of the league. I think social media really helped that. Um, and then I think to really put a bow on it, the pandemic, the pandemic really stopping making people stop and sit still you know we were all excited to see anything on television and i think you just got a lot more fans to really stop and watch wnba and be like dang these girls is balling like it was just good basketball 
And obviously we had social unrest that happened. Um, their stance and their participation was phenomenal. And again, the support of social media. And we know social media can have definitely have its low moments and not be you know, great, but it also has been amazing, I think, for the game. That's, that, that's so true, the pandemic. I, I actually watched more WNBA games during the pandemic than probably any any year. So that was super cool. And I think we're still uh, benefiting from, from that because a lot of people had a lot of respect for what the WNBA players were able to do in, in, in the Wubble. So, but what, what do you think are, are, are the biggest areas of growth? Just not, not in the WNBA, just in, in, in the women's game as a whole. And where do you, where do you, see, uh, where do you see the game needing to grow in, in what areas? Well, it's interesting because that question, I think that the answer is the same. To me, the, the growth that I've seen has been the support, corporate support as well as public support. But I think for it to continue to grow, we need to have more corporate support and public support. So to see the finals, you know, with Chicago Sky against um, the Phoenix uh, Mercury and to see, you know, again, we're still in a pandemic, but to see that stadium um, full of people and excited and then the games the whole series to be as amazing as it was like that is great basketball it's not just women's basketball it's just great basketball and that level of competition um and those fans they're excited in each moment that that's what it's about it's growth and so we need for those games to on record be 10 12 15 000 every single night that would be growth for us that would also increase corporate growth because we know that statistically you have 70 percent of our support are women and women are, you know, usually um, those that are the decision makers in the house when it comes to purchasing and buying and supporting corporations. And then we have to have corporations that truly support women um, and that support minorities and that support black women. And so I feel like it's all encompassing the same things that the growth has been um, is the same thing that we need to see happen in the future. And then the last piece I would say, Don, is that I really do believe player for player talent is just getting better. Like we played and we did our thing without having access to all these different ways of training and eating and um, strength training and moves even. I mean, we played so instinctively, we learned a lot from you know other fellas and men and watching some NBA games, but the level of where the game is now and what these kids have access to in terms of through social media and pause and being able to really watch and pick up. I mean, I would have been the bomb in this era because, you know, I'm such a student of the game that there is so much more information to learn. Like I could never go back and really pull up video and see Cheryl Miller play. Like I couldn't do that. And, and those were, you know, Cindy Brown and, and Teresa Edwards and Katrina McClain. Like there was no way for us, even though we were on the court with some of those ladies that I named, we could never, I couldn't study Katrina's game in that way in that time. But if I could have, like the way she rebounded, trust me, I would have video of her, <laughs> you know, back pause forward just to see how she was even moving and, and what she did before she even jumped, you know. So to be able to have access to information the way that these young players have, to me, the product is getting better and better. We here at Just Women Sports really love a podcast called Flame Bearers. And I like to share a clip of one of my favorite episodes about Ezene Kalu. Ezene plays for the reigning 
Nigerian African champions. While most know Ezene for her talent on the court, she's also jumped headfirst into the world of entrepreneurship. She's launched her own cosmetics company. In this clip from Flame Bears, Ezene shares what inspired her to create her own line of makeup. I know I had a uh, late practice, but I still have my makeup on my face. And, you know, usually with the natural baby wipes, you try to get the makeup off, but it doesn't come off as good as you want it to. So one day I'm um, in practice and you just look down at my jersey and you just see my foundation and my lipstick and my mascara all over my jersey. And my coach is like, he's pissed because he's like, you see, this is what I mean about you girls, you know, wearing all this makeup is ruining all the uniforms. And I'm just, it's so embarrassing because, you know, pe obviously people will see that your makeup is melting all over your face, but to see your coat, see it, and then put you on the spot, it's just so embarrassing. So I'm like, I want to create a makeup line where I don't have to worry about makeup getting on my jerseys or ruining my clothes. I can just sweat and not have it be a problem. So I started, you know, researching companies that deals with, you know, creating formulas that that have lipstick and uh, makeup that's sweat proof and waterproof and that doesn't really mess up, you know, my my day job, which is playing basketball. Well, as an A, I, I got to share a story with you because I have like zero knowledge of where to put makeup. I'm a kind of a natural type of chick but anyway i was at the naismith hall of fame ceremony and i'm getting dressed and i'm like oh this is probably a a time in which i need to you know beat my face and i had makeup but i didn't have a, a makeup artist so in comes one of my former players Ari moore who is a makeup queen she steps in and she makes my face look beautiful for the for the occasion because it was a pretty big occasion and um i just often wondered if i had to do it myself what that would have looked like i would have had to call on you as an a to help me out a little bit so if you want to learn how to beat your face and learn more about cosmetics listen to the rest of as episode of flame bears wherever you get your podcast to learn more about her entrepreneur drive and commitment to uplift the black community. So, so what do you think about, what do you think about players using their platform um, as activists um, for uh, black lives matter for cancer research for, I mean, there are so many, so many things that our players, so much depth to our players nowadays. It's not just about um, um, doing what they do on the court, doing actually what they're really passionate about. And their, their passions are, are shared with, with so many things along with the game. What do you think about how players are stepping out and using their voices and, and, and changing, you know, changing elections? Mm -hmm. um, raising money for cancer research, all of those things are um, important when we as a sport um, are, are doing it and using our platforms to do so. Yeah. Well, I think that it's not new, but we now have platforms where you can hear us and we're being able to amplify our messages more. 
Um, but, you know, we, we know of so many stories of athletes that came before us who were using their platforms and, and losing a lot while doing that. I mean, obviously, Muhammad Ali probably is the, the most famous for doing that. But I think it's uh, it's a thing where this is not even about an athlete. It's about being a human being. And um, as African-Americans, we have an opportunity to not only use our platform, but show the next generation the importance of using our voices, the importance of their education and understanding our history and the history of America, because American history had been buried in a way that we were taught to believe the system and it's working for us when in fact the system was is not working for us and it was set up not to work for us and it was set up for us to be worker bees and to stay in line versus to think outside of the box and i think that um, some people in our generation have already been well read they've read a lot of books and already understand understood the history of our country whereas some people are so new to the information like Oh my God, I never knew this was happening. <laughs> and then you have people that don't look like us who are just like, oh my God, I didn't realize this was happening to you. And I feel like those are the people that we have to reach and speak to most. The people who are just now surprised and understanding where we are in our country and where the, the oppression that we and our grandparents and our ancestors have experienced through our time here. We are the only people in the world who are in a country that we didn't ask to be here. We were enslaved and brought here. And so, um, and then told to build the country and then not giving, you know, any of the rights in the country. So um, it is a, a dark, sad story, but I'm happy again. I believe social media has amplified that message and has allowed us to be as a people more educated and understanding that you know, we are we are descendants of some amazing kings and queens, and we are those survivors and descendants of the strongest uh, people who've ever been on this planet. And so we have to understand what our power is and learn how to use it together and work together. And so I am very excited that a lot of young people are able to now be more educated about their opportunities. But I also, also want to hope that they have the passion and the desire to understand you have to still keep moving it forward. I tell my kids all the time, like if I, whenever they do something like some, you know, if they don't have a good grade in something and I'm like, listen, people died for you to have this opportunity to get this education. And you are even more privileged because I had zero resources and made it to college and I have two degrees. You have all the resources. It's, there's no excuses. And so I think I'm a little bit harder on this generation because I feel like they have no excuses not to be successful and succeed. And they have access to so much information. Now, are you willing to read it? We all got 24 hours in a day. Are you willing to go after it? But there is no reason for them not to be successful and to be able to, to make change. Now, obviously there are some law enforcement issues we got to talk about, you know what I mean? That that can hinder, you know, people and their progress. And that is that is also a problem in our country. But I think when it comes to our ability to do anything and be successful, we are now just starting to realize, I think some of the younger generation that that is what you come from. You come from success. You come from people who have built this country. You come from people who have invented many things that we use in this country. You come from kings and queens. And I think that is an important message for them to have and to see. 
And then the last thing I'll say, Dawn, is that I feel like even our little platform, with even with the WNBA starting and having that opportunity, to me, it was just that moment to get our foot on that stage, to use that moment to open up the doors for these young people to be able to do what they're doing. And for, you know, Neka Agumake, for her to be on that platform, Lauren's watching, you know what I mean? And, and so she gets a chance to see. And so that's another part of us, women helping women, women supporting women, women opening the door and pulling each other through. Like, that is amazing. So I am 100% for these athletes using their platform because it's not an athlete's platform. It is a human platform. Great, great, great answer. I, I have to ask you this um, after just hearing you um, lay it on out there. As, as a black woman, I, I know you do TV. I know you do speaking engagements. I know, you, you know you're, you're a brand um, ambassador. How do you just as a black woman navigate through um, life where it's predominantly white. How, how, do you, how do you convey those thoughts that you just mentioned and, and feel good about what you're doing um, when you're able to just kind of explain to people how it all works, even, even when they may not want to hear it? You know, I try to, to be really honest with you, I, I pray about it. I try to be led by the spirit and I try to use my spiritual gift. As you know, I've been speaking since the day you met me or on stage or with a microphone in my hand. And again, you know me well. In my personality, I don't need it. I don't need to be on stage. I don't need to be out front. I don't need it to be about Lisa Leslie. Like, I'm so cool on being in the back and you know me. Can we catch a movie, chill and kiki all day versus okay. me going to a party or being out? But my spiritual gift is my ability to speak. And when God tells me to move, I try to move. And when I'm in those spaces that make people uncomfortable, I have to realize that I'm here for a reason. Like our paths are not uh, crossing by chance. I'm here to deliver a message. And that message is that message of equality. It is that message of um, of justice. It's that message of I'm in this room and I come in this room, you know, with my head held up high and feeling, trying to be as humble as possible, even though um, I'm probably the biggest person in the room, you know, literally, literally or figuratively, <laughs> in a, you know, the room, but I feel like it's still a place that God's put me in. And so if I come in contact with resistance, I try to think that we're all God's children and every knee shall bow and it doesn't matter what our colors are. And we can't one way be Christian over here. And then the other way we're like, oh, but I hate so-and-so. So I'm really trying to deflect other people's hate. I don't want to live my life hating on other people because of the color of their skin or because their mindset. I'd rather come in with this idea that I'm here to help you see the beauty in me so that you can see it in the next black girl or black woman that is in this space or has this opportunity. So if I have a seat at the table, I'm here to change your mind about the next person that you see. So I try to always go into it with this positive, not like, oh, they hating on me or whatever their, you know, whatever someone's um, idiosyncrasies are or prejudices are. I'd rather not go in thinking about what they're prejudiced about. I go in with, you know what, God, I know you put me here. And God can change anybody's heart. He can change a person's heart. He can change their mind. So if I just go in with my light, it can be too bright for some people. And I get that. And that space and that job and that, it, I don't stay long anyway. It's not where I'm supposed to be. But I just believe my divine 
space and my intervention of where I am and where God puts me is where exactly where I'm supposed to be. It's the message I'm supposed to be delivering. And that's it. And every now and then when there's some conflict or something, I may laugh, or I'll chuckle and I go, okay, I see, I see you Satan and I'm not supposed to be here. So I'm going to leave. I don't have to be loud about it. I don't need to confront you about it. I've grown and matured to the point where I don't need to voice to try to change someone else's mind if they're in a, a dark space. I just keep it moving. Deuces. You know? <laughs> you I, I, I really do. That's that's yeah. my thing. I don't have time to... No. That's awesome. We're we going to wrap up real quick, but I, I, I do have just a couple more things I just need to get your take on. Kobe Bryant. Kobe mm -hmm. Bryant, how, how did you guys become close? Um... What, what what was your friendship like? I know everybody everybody is tragically uh, um, feeling brokenhearted. Yeah, I mean his tragedy, um, the void. Like Kobe left a void in in every athlete, every person that got a chance to see him, experience him, hear him speak, love up on the game as he did, um, became the. The, the the girl dad, yeah, after he retired, like, what was your relationship like with him and how did you guys get so close? Yeah, so with Kobe, um, I don't know if I have time for the whole story, but with the backstory is that they moved to LA and I was introduced actually to him by Mike of Boys to Men from Philly. So he moved from Philly, right? And he was like, please, uh, this kid, you know, he's coming in to LA, look after him. Like, don't let LA eat him up. You know, it was kind of one of those conversations. So I'm like, okay, cool. He was like, no, but they got a lovely family. Like you got to go meet him. Like they, you know how we say, like they, they are kind of people like, right. right. So I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so I don't remember initially how the connection happened, but I go to their home and meet his mom and his dad and his two sisters and obviously Cope. And I think it was just, first off, I just hit it off with the family. I remember just telling my mom, like, mom, there, his mom is so sweet. And like, she's so beautiful. And she looks like you, mom, like she's, she's just like you. So his mom reminded me of my mom. That was probably first thing. And then Jelly Bean, again, so sweet and just, just kind people. They are just so kind and loving and his mom would be cooking and like, is she gonna stay for dinner? And her little soft voice, and I'm like, this ma'am, you know? And so I would just go to the house, but Shaya, his sister is who I hung out with most. Um, and we really hit it off. Shaya is like full of energy. We both love to just go and hang. And so we would hang out. And so I would go to the house often and I would go and hang out with uh, Shaya and Kobe obviously is in the room. And he'd be like, Lise, come here, Lise. So he called me and I'd go upstairs. I'm like, what's up, Kobe? He was like, look, look, look right here. Now, again, he's the basketball <laughs> player. I'm the basketball player. And so is Jelly Bean. So everything was about Jordan. He's watching Jordan. So I come in there like, Lise, Lise, look, 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 check this out, watch. So he rewinded. Look at that, look at that, look at that. Look. So we sit there and then I'm in the room with him watching Jordan. Then Shay is like, Lee, so I go back across the hall. <laughs> so I was like, you know, the family friend who's visiting and I'm there talking basketball with Kobe and then I'm over playing with Shay and we go into the mall and we then go out to the club. We go out and hang out, come back, Kobe like, Lee, come here. It's like two o'clock, boy, you still up. We go in there and I sit there and I'm watching. <laughs> basketball so this happened all the time and it was just 
I mean, he was really like a little brother, you know what I mean? Like he's the youngest brother and everyone was really so protective of Kobe. And then what happened? He like went to go play ball at the Venice beach and broke his hand. So he was out. So then he was like shooting with his left hand. So it's just, I think you don't really process the time. You know what I mean? It's like that he's going to be gone so that you'll be telling these stories about the time that you're together. It's just a part of what was happening during that time. It was like the WNBA, it started the NBA here. We got a rookie here, you know, Kobe shot air balls. Kobe did all kind of stuff, but he, the thing, just like you and I, what meshed was that tenacity, that hard work, that passion. I'm heading to the gym at 6 a.m., 530. You got to go because Kobe's playing. Kobe's helicopter just landed. He's coming in. I mean, this is like literally happening all the time. We trained at the same place. So Kobe's coming in after I'm leaving out or I got to get in the gym before he gets in there. Like it was just a part of like our routine of just basketball, whether you getting treatment or you lifting weights or you know, we were just always in the same place. And so obviously we started stopping and talking about everything. The family, what's up? Tell Shay, I'm coming over. I'll be over at the house later. Like all of these things and exchanges happen just through the years. And then, um, you know, then obviously he meets Vanessa, which is amazing. And that was tough. It was tough for the family. Nobody knew Vanessa was going to be so amazing. She's like, awesome. Right. But mm -hmm. That's like, you know, my son, MJ, that I'm raising. And then all of a sudden he gets his first girlfriend and that's his love and he want to get married. You like, hold on, you know, but <laughs> she was the right one and it was amazing. And so from there, it was just, you know, the same thing. I knew that Kobe was happy. I see him all the time. You know, he didn't live with his parents anymore. So obviously I wasn't seeing him at his house. Um, it was at the gym. And just our exchange over the years was just solid. I mean, we stopped, we just talked talk about the family what we got going on our kids and you know that was always the highlight of everything we did and we had photo shoots and different things together throughout the years but it really was just about family awesome you know? kobe bean bryant um, i happen to have on my are, shirt today you asked me that yeah you are you are certainly Bye -bye. miss kobe um so this is the last thing we'll do okay we're gonna have a little more fun because we already had some fun this is called the NetLife Shot Clock. NetLife Shot Clock, okay. Shot Clock, so we're gonna put 20 seconds on the clock and you're gonna answer as many questions that I shoot at you. You ready? Got it, yes. Okay, what's, what's one of your pet peeves? Uh, people smacking. <laughs> Mine too, that's a good one. <laughs> okay, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? The superpower would be the power to heal. Because if I could heal, then we could all just survive and live. Yeah. It's a great one. Yeah. Who was the toughest opponent you ever played against? People ask me that all the time, and I feel like I never have an answer for that. I feel like I'm my toughest opponent. But um, people that were really good, obviously, uh, Lauren Jackson, very good player. Tina Thompson, very good player. Um, Yolanda Griffin. I feel like I had a whole lot of rivals. Uh, Tari Phillips. Every place I played against was my rival. And I don't know that one was necessarily tougher than the other. They all gave me different challenges. Okay. Yeah. So in the game of basketball, what's one rule you would like changed if you could? One rule I would like changed if I could. I think that um, in high school and in college, you should be able to get six fouls. Five fouls just make it too <laughs> tough. 
Because I'm, you, you want me to play aggressive and be strong, but then you don't want me to touch nobody. Like they don't go together. I need a third foul added, please. Can I get a third foul added in the second half? Like I feel like you should play or be like the big three where you get like three in the first half and then it's erased at halftime, right? And then you get to get three in the second half. Like, let's go. We can ball out with that. I ask you about your, your big three championship. You a coach. Yeah. You, do, you do it all. Okay, I got three more questions. Can you see that over there? Yeah, yeah. That's the big three. Okay, yeah. you got you got paid for that too, didn't you? Coach, or did I? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do nothing without getting paid, Dawn. Come on, you know. <laughs> Speaking of getting paid, I'm trying to be like you. Speaking of getting paid. Speaking of getting paid, if the NIL was in place when you were in college, what deal would you really want to sign? Oof. Probably back then, the same deal I have now, but I would definitely like a lot more money. It would be a Nike deal because, you know, I've been a Nike athlete all my college, since the day I left college. Um, that would have been an amazing deal just to be able to have gear like that. Um, what else? Um, I would definitely like the DoorDash deal if they cover food. Like uh -huh. that is, <laughs> these kids, I mean, we need food all the time. So DoorDash would have been bomb. Like all your stuff is delivered for free and you get like a hundred meals. I would have had that contract worked out. Like you get a hundred meals or 200 <laughs> meals a year. Cause you know, you're in college, man. Food is important yes, in clothes. It's a premium. Like, it's a premium. And then your sneakers, that's important. So those probably my favorite too. I guess my third one, if I could have one more, um, would probably be something like super fancy, like, oh Chanel, did you call? Did you call for me? <laughs> you, I only wear Chanel when I'm off the. Oh, I can do that. Like when I come off the court, you want me in Chanel like bags and and oh, I got the, everything, pendants and uh, and, and everything. It's just like just Chanel. Okay, Three great. Three good ones. Three <laughs> essential ones. That's that's pretty darn good. Hey, we looking um, good at all times, right? And eating yep. good. All right, two more questions. Which 90s girls group had the best style? 90s girls? Oh, I'm going to join in with um, TLC, Waterfalls. You know what I mean? Be a little bit like sexy but feminine, but also got my sneakers on just in case we want to shoot some hoops. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with that. Or maybe In Vogue. I could do In Vogue when I get off the court too, though. See, you know. okay, okay. The two sides of uh, Lisa yeah, Leslie. See? All That's right. It. And then lastly, hmm. other than yourself, who could we all to? Who's the GOAT? Oh my goodness. I hate this question. I wouldn't, I don't like the GOAT question. This is the reason why. Okay, go ahead. It's respectful. First off, because people have put in such hard work in different positions and in different eras that I think it's not right to say one woman of all the eras of all the sport is like the best ever. I don't think that that's facts. So I do not participate in the GOAT conversation. Okay, no no, no GOAT answer, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say you are the GOAT, how about that? I'll answer oh, it for you. Lisa Leslie, I got a chance to play with you. I saw you play, I coached you a little bit. So I, I'm going off of just my experience playing and coaching you. Thank you, Dawn, I appreciate it, I'll pay you later. All right, <laughs> all right, well, on this podcast, I'm talking leadership, disruptors, change makers. It's hoops, it's politics, it's pop culture. It's the net sum of my life. So before I let you go, mm -hmm. I ask all of my guests for some words of wisdom that either they received, that helped guide them, mm -hmm. or 
that they just want to pass along to others. Lisa, what words of wisdom do you have to share? Well, my words of wisdom is an acronym. It's called CHOICE. So here's the deal. We all have 24 hours in a day and it comes down to the choices that you make. C is for competence. What, how competent are you about what your choices are? How educated are you on what it is that you're trying to achieve? H is for hard work because it takes hard work to achieve anything you want to do. The O is for optimism. Be positive, stay positive and surround yourself with positive people. The I is for integrity. It's important no matter what you do, do it with integrity. Be a woman or a man of your word. If you say you're going to do it, do it. The other C is for courage. Have courage to step out on faith. Like everything that we've done and accomplished did not just happen overnight. We had fails. We failed in a lot of things, but you got to have the courage to get back up and keep trying. And the E is for execution. A lot of times people will talk about what they want to do, but they never stick with it and they never execute it and see it through the end. So the S is for success. If you make the right choices, you will be successful. Boom, awesome. microphone drop. Awesome. Thanks, Lisa. Appreciate you coming on. And do you have anything that you want to plug or promote? Um, I do. If anybody needs any real estate needs, I am a real estate executive. I am an agent. I am licensed and I'm an investor. If you have any real estate needs, reach out to me on IG. Hit me on my DMs at Lisa Leslie. Black owned company. Let's yes. go. Let's support Lisa Leslie. Um, if you want to live a luxurious life, go see her. I know. Dawn should have called me before she got her house all built, but she didn't. That's all good. That's all good. She, you she do construction too? You do yeah. construction? Well, I oh. had to find you the land. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. You had to buy that's the true. land before you can build the house. That's true. I actually got a hookup on the land, so. Yeah. But so <laughs> <laughs> well, that's up, all, folks. Um, and, and thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to follow NetLife with Dawn Staley on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. NetLife is produced by Just Women Sports. For more great sports content, go to JustWomenSports.com. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter and YouTube channel and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And this is Dawn Staley signing off and look forward to uh, having some great conversations.